The drums fired me up. Oh, yeah. Where do I belong? You know, I don't know where you're from. Some of you I do. But the world always wants to, to know that answer in their life. Where do I belong? I grew up in a small town in Iowa. Of course, in Iowa, it was a big town. If you ever look at a map of Tumwa, you know, you know it's a big or small town by what size of dot and what point of font they use to identify you in that area. And uh, we had three McDonald's in our town. It's pretty massive. You know, 30,000 people. It's a big town. But you come out here to Los Angeles, and people ask where I'm from, and they go, oh, yeah, you're, you're from a small town. So this is new for you, you know, big city, lots of traffic. But then I go to where my wife is from, and I don't fit in there either. Now, she doesn't actually have a town. They have a sign, but it says Linden, but there's no population density where they put the sign. A lot of cows, but they don't even have two houses close to each other. And uh, further evidence of this, that Lind in Linden, Nova Scotia, I, from Ottumwa, Iowa, is known as a townie. So I'm a city slicker out there. But we're always wondering. You know, we just got back from vacation, got to do a little skiing in Lake Tahoe, which was great. You know, I always enjoy riding the, the lifts up, and you end up with complete strangers, and you ask questions. You know, where do you live? Where are you from? Remember one guy. Oh, I live here in South Lake Tahoe. So where were you born? Ventura. Said, how did you end up in Tahoe? He said, I came up here to ski once 42 years ago and never left. I rode the ski lift with the guy who's in charge of all the safety maintenance and the permit of the ski lifts of a big uh, ski resort in northwest Montana. I go, so your job is just to inspect the ski lifts and make sure they're safe for everyone. And he goes, that's what I do. So you get to ski and snowboard and inspect and get paid for it. And he goes, yes, I do. It's a good job. You know, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 where we belong. The Bible says in verse 27 that God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. And so in the world we live in, in this search for where, where do I belong, where do I fit in, way back in the very first chapter of the first book of the Word of God. God wanted to make sure that the description of where we fit in was included so that we would never have to f spend the rest of our life wondering. God said, you belong with me. I made you in my image. You are unique. 
amongst all of creation. You're my people. You're my creation. You're the only thing I made in my image. And yet we constantly live life trying to fit in. And yet God defined it from creation. We fit in with God. We are like Him. We're wired to be like Him. We're the only part of creation that has a moral concept, that has a soul. We're a moral being. That's where we fit in. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time addressing this concept. Go over to John chapter 15. You see, because the disciples were feeling pretty good about the fact that they're with Jesus, they're with the worker of miracles, they're with the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who never sins, can do anything he wants, can control the, the weather, can raise the dead, and yet people were mad at them. They're like, wait a second, wait a second, what's going on here? I mean, I'm with the best of the best. Why don't I belong? Why are people upset at us? And in John 15, Jesus says, verse 18 and 19, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And Jesus talking about this sense of, of where I belong. Now, how many people in here ski or snowboard? Okay, then you're familiar with a green run, a blue run, a black diamond, or a double black diamond. Green is easy. Blue is in the middle, and then black is steep and dangerous. And when you're on the mountain, you get a choice of what run to take to get to the bottom. And so you get to kind of self-assess where I belong on the ski slope. And your experience for the next however many minutes depends upon the choice that you made of where you belong. Now, you ride up on the chairlift, and you get a chance to see who assessed themselves correctly. <laughs> I remember, th this is probably 15 years ago, skiing at Heavenly, and uh, there's a run to get down to the California Lodge called Gun Barrel. And it's a double black diamond, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I said, I'm going to crank down gun barrel. And so I, I, I was going for it. The first turn on pure ice, I had what they know in skiing and snowboarding as a yard sale. And a yard sale is when every piece of your equipment is strewn equally along the mountainside as you slide to the bottom. And I was right under the main chairlift. I mean, I, my hat, my gloves, my skis, my poles weren't, you know, randomly located throughout the hill. 
lady, you know, kind of skied down, collected all my equipment, gave it to me. Are you okay? And I'm like, yes. And you know what I thought? I'm not doing that run anymore. <laughs> and I did not even attempt to ski down gun barrel this trip. I was like, I remembered. I remembered my experience thinking, I'm going to do gun barrel. Embarrassing myself. You know, you, you always got to pick public points of humiliation on the ski slope. I never fall where no one's looking. It's always right there in the midst of everyone. But in life, we have a choice of who we identify with. Now, sometimes when you start talking about, do I, do I identify with the world? We go, wait, but Jesus was a friend to tax collectors and sinners. Yes, but there was nothing friendly about the world's values, principles, thinking, goals, dreams, interests, view of sin, view of righteousness, view of salvation. There was nothing in the world that Jesus identified with. He loved the sinner. So let's not use Jesus being a friend to tax collectors is a way that we can be worldly and think, oh, I'm being like Jesus. No, you've got to make a choice. And then your life is going to reap the blessings or the curses of what choice you made, just like the ski run. If you self-assess incorrectly, you're in big trouble. But see, we face that battle every day of, of where do I want to belong? And sometimes we feel insecure and the world says, hey, come be a part of me. And like the disciples here in John 15, Jesus says, no, you are already defined as where you belong. You are created in the image of God. You belong with God's people. But then they're going, yeah, but then why doesn't society love me? Why am I not popular? Why are people not praising us? And Jesus says, because you have to choose where you're going to belong. I want each of us to think about this morning where we belong, where we came in this morning identifying most with. You know, if we didn't tell anybody what we thought on the inside and they just observed us living our life, listening to music, watching things on TV or the computer, they listened to the words that we said, the jokes that we made, the principles that we live by, whether or not we have integrity or don't have integrity. What our relationships were like, would they say, now there's somebody that belongs to God's people? Or would they think, no, they fit right on in with the world. See, where, where do I belong? God settled that way back when he created us. Go over to James chapter 3. We're going to approach this from a different perspective and, and, and put some logic into the equation. I like logic. In James chapter 3, Starting in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy 
and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Say, what a passage. And what James is talking about is the fruit of where we belong. You know, just like our choice of, of what run to go down on the ski slope. You know, it would be kind of foolish if we said, you know, I'm really looking for an easy run, one where I can relax, get to feel the snow, and then we deliberately choose to go down a double black diamond. And then we get done, and we're just a mess, and we go, wow, that wasn't relaxing at all. And then went and did it again. Somewhere along the way, we'd go, well, you know why you're having that experience? Because you're choosing to go down a double black diamond. You're identifying with the wrong thing. You want easy and relaxing? Go down the green slope. You see, you got a choice of who you're going to identify with. Now, let's see what the world has to offer. Here's where the logic comes in. You know, you got two choices. On the one side, let's see what the world offers. Bitter envy, selfish ambition, then a little later in verse 16, disorder and every evil practice. Okay, so that is choice number one. Now let's look at choice number two. Pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers, harvest of righteousness. Say, well, let's see. Now, where am I going to choose? You know what's amazing? Is as clear as the choice is, there are some in this room that will leave and go, 
I still choose the world. And it's amazing because what the world is going to produce is already clearly listed out. And we go, yeah, but I don't want that. I want the results of choice too, but I want to be able to belong to the world. I want to do what the world does. I want to have the world's values. I want to fit into the world. I want to be comfortable in the world. I want to have its goals. But I don't want bitterness. I don't want envy. I don't want selfish ambition. I want a happy, peaceful, joyful, merciful, considerate, righteous life. Well, you're going to have to decide which slope you're going to ski down. Because the choice of where we belong was settled long ago. When God created you, he said, you're special, you're unique. I made you in my image. Now, if you're like me, there's times you think, well, God, I don't really like how you made me. I don't like this character weakness. I don't like this flaw. I wish, you know, I wish my eyes were better. I wish I could do this. I wish I had more patience. You know, I wish I was a better writer. I picked science because you didn't have to write. Uh, You know, it's like there's a lot of things you go, I wish you would have made differently. And God's like, no, I'm pretty fired up about the job I did. Because I made you in my image. Say, so what choice will you make? Say, who are you going to identify with? Now, this whole concept even affects our relationships. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This passage talking about relationships in the church. And in 1 Corinthians 12... Starting in verse 12, it says, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You know, sometimes you have people go, Now, how do you, you know, I'd like to sign up for the church. How do I become a member? How do, you know, how do I place membership? God's word makes it clear. You are baptized into the body of Christ. You don't sign a membership form. It doesn't get voted on. You get baptized, you get your sins forgiven, then God does the adding into his family. And that makes sense. Now in verse 14, it says, The body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I say, so so what's going on here? Well, apparently, just like you and I, there's people in the church, and sometimes our relationships get tweaked. Just like any kind of family. You know, 
every once in a while you got conflict. Every once in a while there's a distance and you got to work, work on it to get it back where it needs to be. And so you got people here in Corinth that are going, hey, I don't like my role, so I'm not part of the body because I don't like my role. Well, that would be the same thing is in a family if the son goes, well, I don't like being the son anymore. And if you're a teen, you can probably relate to that. And maybe you told your parents things that us parents told our parents when we were their age. I can't wait to be the dad one day. Then I get to make the decisions. And I can tell you this, every parent will understand that at various points in life, there's times where you go, I don't want to be the parent anymore. I don't like the pressure. I don't like the responsibility. It would be easier to not be a parent. You know, we had a, a road trip. It was great. Luke was on spring break, so he came with us. I mean, what if Luke in the middle of the trip said, I no longer am your son? Of course, when he acts up, I tell him one of two things. Either tell him you're adopted or it's the Canadian genes in you that are coming out right now. But, I mean, would that really make him not my son if he self-proclaimed, I am not your son? You know, say what you want. You're still my son. Whether you own up to it or not, I mean, you do look like me. It's like it doesn't change the fact. But, but you know, what's going on here in 1 Corinthians 12? That's God's people that go, well, I'm kind of tweaked about this, and so I am self-declaring not God's people. God's like, that didn't change whether or not like you're part of the body. Like, God made us in his image. That's the fact. What we self-proclaim doesn't change the fact. You say, well, you know what the problem with the, the church is? We got a lot of them. Let me tell you what they are. There's sinners in it. As the old saying goes, if, if you know, sinless people... Uh, could only be in the church, then none of us would be allowed to be in it. So the church would be empty. You know, the fact is, God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. See, God already worked out the roles, and he worked out the strengths, and he worked out the weaknesses. Why? Because the church is where we belong. Is God's people. The church is not an optional extra part of Christianity. You know, the minimal requirements are believe, and then, hey, if you got a little extra time in your schedule, attend church and be committed to its functions. No, the church is part and parcel of the minimum standard because God knows we need to belong. And so he created a place for men and women who are made in his image, to belong. And that's where true Christianity is lived out. God did the arranging. Why? Because he knows best. 
You go, well, sometimes the relationships get us flustered and you start questioning the arranging. You, you ever go, I mean, what's the chances that I, like this person would be in close proximity and sometimes I find them so annoying? Yeah, I say God knew exactly what he was doing to produce godliness in your character. I mean, what forces godliness? Somebody that accommodates all of our quirkiness and lack of mercy? Well, you think about what, what's worldly thinking of who we belong with? People who are just like us, people who do everything exactly the way we want them to. They never offend us. They never sin against us. They never hurt our feelings. And if they do, I don't belong to them any longer. You say, what does that thinking produce? We don't belong to anybody. You know what worldly thinking says? You can't relate. You know, if you take that logical progression of you can't relate to me, nobody is able to relate to anybody else. You know, I don't know how many identical twins are in the audience. I know of two, my brother and, and myself. But even I could say, hey, you can't relate to me. I know we got the same DNA. We grew up in the same home. But you know what? You were pulled out first. And you cannot relate to what I've been through because I was not the oldest son. You see, the world, it will constantly play this out. You can't relate. You don't know what it's like. We share the same DNA. When we accept we're created in the image of God, we got all kinds of stuff we can relate to about each other. But worldly wisdom produces loneliness, emptiness, a hollow life. It's dividing, it's isolating, bitterness, selfish ambition, and envy. How can you have good relationships if that's what the teacher's trying to produce? So why would we choose that path? God, who made us in his image, has done the arranging just as he wanted them to be. Say, so, well, you know, so, okay, wh what do you do with this then? Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Now, this is the intro of his book, but he says something uh, pretty awesome about his mission. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, he says, Through him, through Jesus, and for his name's sake, we, the apostle, receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And he says, let me tell you what my mission is. 
I'm going to all the Gentiles, and I'm going to call people to belong to Jesus Christ. But what's it going to take? He says, well, I'm, I'm calling them to the obedience that comes from faith. You see, what, what do I do with this? Okay, so I see the logic. I mean, I, I don't want to go down the double black diamond if I want life to be, you know, good, merciful, peace-loving. I want God's wisdom. Okay, so I, you know, I got to go down that path, but how do I do that? What am I supposed to do? And Paul says, hey, let me call you to the obedience that comes from faith. Now, see, right here, we got a problem with worldly thinking. Because what the world will tell you, that, and they package it nice, you got to be real. You got to be your own man. You got to be your own woman. And so nobody can make you do what you don't want to do. You know, the fact is that's sort of true. God will not make you belong to him. Now, the fact is you do. He will always give us a choice. But sometimes the choice is simply to obey. You go, well, it's tough. Let me share a story with you. Remember, uh, Junior year of high school, I was on the tennis team, and, and we traveled on a bus to another little town in Iowa called Keokuk. And we got there about 2 o'clock, and we had, a, we had a tennis meet at 3 o'clock. And so we had to go get changed into our really cool Atumbo High School tennis outfit, part of the Jimmy Connors tennis collection, I think. And so one of the guys on the tennis team played football, and he goes, I know where the locker room is, so we'll go in there and change, and that'll be good. So got the whole tennis team in there. There's, there's uh, uh, 12 of us, and we're in there changing clothes, and we're getting ready to go out and play the match. And you know what? And we're feeling right at home, and everything's good. We're in the locker room, and then all of a sudden about 250 high school girls come into the women's slash visitor football team locker room. You know, it's amazing how in about two seconds I can go from feeling like I belong to feeling so out of place. Like this, this feels uh, weird. This feels wrong. This, you know, I was mad at Bryce. Bryce, why did you lead us into the women's locker room? Why did you not make a connection that the visitors get the women's locker room? And it's like, it's awkward. But you know, the solution was very simple. We left. We didn't analyze why we felt awkward. We didn't analyze the parenting issues that we had grown up with that produced the situation of awkwardness. We just left. And you know, it was amazing how freeing it was. As soon as we left the locker room, 250 high school girls in it, felt much more relaxed. Sense of belonging returned. Now it's kind of like the same decision we have right now. So what, what do I need to leave? Where have I identified with the world that I need to just Leave. 
Say, what behavior have I adopted that is producing selfish ambition, bitterness, envy, disorder, and robbing me of purity, of peace, of a camaraderie, of a strength? What behavior am I engaged in that I just need to leave? Say, so we need to accept the fact. The fact is, you're a moral being. I'm a moral being. God made us in His image. Say, so we don't need to search any longer for where we belong. Because we belong with God. We need to invest where we belong. Say, what do we need to invest? Time. What else do we need to invest? Time. What else should we invest? Time. Time doing what? Reading. Praying. Studying. Relationships. Friendship energy you know ultimately it's going to boil down to time and we're fooling ourselves to think we can invest time in the world and not end up with what the world is the teacher produces in our life that means schedules must be changed relationships must be changed you say well that's difficult well, not if you really want to be where you belong. You see, there was one run where I, I didn't pay attention to the sign and ended up on a double black uh, mogul run. I didn't like it. I'd ski about three or four moguls and stop and rest. And I got done and I said, oh, not going down that run again. I saw the sign for gun barrel. Not, definitely not going down gun barrel. You know, it really wasn't that hard to not go down gun barrel. Because I learned my lesson. You see, God is calling out to each one of us saying, I made you in my image. You belong, but not to the world. That's why Jesus told his disciples, I've called you out of the world. If you belong to the world, it'd love you as its own. We're called to be different and to live different. The world has nothing that we want to offer. Belonging to the world is going to leave, to leave us empty and bitter every time. Oh, we may have some short-term success and joy along the way, but it will never last. Because the Bible makes it clear what its wisdom produces. And yet God's way is what we want. We belong. We belong to him. He made us special. Let's accept how God made us. Let's make that decision to be called to obedience that comes from faith. God is calling our name to be where we truly belong. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.